Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And on today's episode, we're talking the top 10 Disney villain songs of all time. So we've done best animated soundtrack. We've done best songs. (laughs) We've done um, Name That Tune. We are finally getting to the villains. Yeah. So so. we're talking top villain songs. Yeah. Thanks to Tom for the suggestion for this episode. All right, but before we get into that, let's cover the Disney news of the week. So the first piece of news is Disney announced the official kickoff date for the 100-year uh, celebration of the Walt Disney Company. It's going to be January 27th, 2023 over at Disneyland. And Disney already talked about this at D23, that Disneyland is going to be the centerpiece of the 100th anniversary celebration. They're calling it the Disney 100. So we have an official kickoff date. They announced on the Disney Parks blog uh, some initial things that are going to be happening on that day. So Mickey and Minnie are going to get new platinum costumes for the 100, the World of Color 1 show, and the Wondrous Journey show over at Disneyland Park uh, are going to be kicking off. And kind of the exciting piece of news that we didn't know about was a official opening date for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, Disneyland's version. So while Toontown uh, isn't going to be ready until a little bit later, they're actually going to have Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway open on January 27th. So that will be open for the kickoff of the 100th anniversary. And they released some more concept art about the queue and the entrance. And it's interesting because it's themed completely differently than Runaway Railway over in Hollywood Studios, where Hollywood Studios is in the old Chinese theater. So it's all geared towards the shorts and the theater. Uh, Since it's in Toontown over in Disneyland, it's geared much more towards Toontown. So that's interesting. So a lot of exciting stuff. It's going to be here very quickly in a couple months uh, coming up. Um, But but excited to see uh, more of what Disney has to announce here. I just have one important question. Is Chuby going to have a feature role? Because that's what I care about. Well, they, you know, they, they've talked about that the version in Disneyland, they are going to have a few additional scenes that you know, they're, they're making a little bit bigger. It's not going to be an exact copy, which I think is interesting because a lot of the rides, they, they do exact copies. Like Galaxy's right. Edge is an exact copy. You know, Ratatouille, it's the same ride in Paris as it is in America. So it's going to be pretty close. But they did do you know, some things different. Again, it's themed a little bit differently. They're talked about some additional scenes. So I'm hoping, yeah, more Chuby in the ride. But uh, overall, I mean, really exciting. You know, Looking forward to the 100th anniversary. With this, Disney announced that they've paused Park Pass reservations past January 8th of 2023 over at Disneyland. So I think they're expecting a lot of people to want to be there for the 100th. So you can't make a reservation past January 8th. And it said they'll resume later. So... It'll be interesting to see how they handle this. I wonder if they're going to do special ticketing for the first couple days. Like if you want to be there on the first day, is that going to be a hard ticketed special event, you know, which could ruffle some feathers of people if you're an annual pass holder or something, you can't get in. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that, but uh, more to come on that. I have to say, again, you know, We've mentioned this before that at Disneyland, they do seem to go a little bit bigger. It seems like a lot of their focus is is shifting. I don't know if it's shifting there, but we definitely, since we've been to Disneyland a few times now, have noticed that there is a difference and that they do seem to, you know, plus it a bit more. So knowing that, I really would love to be one of these people. So if anybody from Disney's listening, uh, I could find a way to get some, some time off of work. I would like to be there for uh, this day and... For the kickoff. Yeah, yeah. It, it is interesting. I mean, I, I imagine this is what Disney wanted when Walt Disney World celebrated their 50th. You you know, you have it 
the day you have a new attraction opening that day yeah. you have a new nighttime show opening that day you know you, you have all of this stuff like it's it's interesting to see the differences in when we got the 50th under the conditions that that they kicked off the 50th stuff wasn't ready stuff was delayed you know it wasn't as ceremonial as it's going to be with this hundredth and to your point Disneyland is like the crown jewel to them I feel like so yeah. they're going to make sure I think everything is is really great uh, the other piece of news relates to uh, Marvel and their Disney Plus shows. So Werewolf by Night came out this past weekend. We have not uh, seen that yet, but it is a, a special presentation, they're calling it. So it's about an hour long. So instead of doing uh, a series of you know six or eight episodes or a movie, it's this kind of in-between special presentation. And they're reporting that Marvel is looking to do more of these. So instead of doing uh, the Disney Plus shows, which I think have had mixed reviews, I've enjoyed them all. I think Angie, you've enjoyed most, yeah. if not all of them. Well, I'm I'm very impressed by She-Hulk. I think She-Hulk has been a... I, I was thinking it was going to be the dumbest one of all of them, and I think it's been one of my favorites. Yeah, She-Hulk's been great. I think they've all been good. I think my only critique of them is, especially like Loki, I felt like there's a few episodes where like not a lot happens. I think yeah. since She-Hulk is a sitcom, there's a complete story in every episode, which is right. I think why it works so much better. Because in some of the other ones, it's like, yeah, nothing happened this episode. Why did we need it? But you're right, She-Hulk works pretty well. But the report is that Marvel is looking to do more of these special presentations instead of the shows. So you know, maybe they're not getting great feedback on the shows. They're probably very expensive to produce these shows. It's probably a lot cheaper to do a special presentation. Uh, it is interesting because they did announce uh, as well recently that Armor Wars, which was supposed to be on Disney Plus, is going to be a uh, feature length movie now. So they're going to do it as a movie instead of a show. So it'll be interesting to see going forward how they do this. That you know, maybe as they introduce some of these lesser known characters that maybe don't have as big an impact on the MCU. It's easier for them to do an hour or so special presentation to give you a little bit of a taste for them to see if people are interested as opposed to, you know, devoting the time and resources to a six or eight episode series. So my question is with armor wars, did they not have enough material to make it a full series or did they realize that it would work better in a, a longer format, but shorter? Like I, I'm very curious what, what the process was for that and why it became a movie. What's interesting is with that is they talked about that they wanted to give it uh, kind of paraphrasing. They, they wanted to give it like it's due. They wanted to like give it in the, like the format that it deserved. So almost kind of making it sound like that they still see a cinematic theatrical release as uh, a tier and, and these Disney plus shows as kind of like a lesser tier almost that like it deserved, you know, a much grander scale essentially. So I almost think they probably have bigger budgets on the movie. So even though they're shorter in time, you know, they can put more into VFX. They can put more into, you know, bouncing around to different locations because you're not going to go globetrotting uh, in a Disney Plus show. You know, you're going to do that in the big screen when you can make five, six hundred million dollars in, in box office receipts. So I think Marvel yeah. still very much sees theatrical releases as, you know, the, the end all be all. And these I Disney mean, Plus right. shows as kind of filler. And so I think they go, well, if we can do an hour show and pump out more of these, it's probably better. Maybe the fans will like it a little bit better than doing these, you know, episodic shows that again, if we got to fill up eight episodes, we're probably gonna have one or two where nothing happens. Yeah, you're right. It's probably all about money. I mean, just Getting, Everything's getting all that, about money. Getting that big, bigger budget is probably helpful to doing what they wanted to do. Totally. Jumping into our main topic here, 
the top 10 Disney villain songs of all time. It's funny. The listings of the soundtracks and the animated songs and everything are some of our top episodes, our top performing episodes of all time. So the Disney villains have a lot to live up to here. But everybody loves Disney villains. Mm -hmm. And everybody loves apparently the Disney ranking songs. So I think we put those two together to the moon. (laughs) We're taking this one to the moon. So all right. All right, so let's start with number 10, My Lullaby, from the critically acclaimed movie, (laughs) Lion King 2. Okay, so I had to give this song a shout out. Um, This is actually hilarious because one of my students brought this song up to me the other day. Like this specific song, my my dad really likes this song. And I thought it was so funny because I'm like, I know exactly what you're talking about. I love this song too. But this is Zira's song. So Zira is the scar replacement in the Lion King 2. She was kind of like like Scar's girlfriend. Like it seemed like there was something going on there potentially. Um, even though I don't know, uh, Scar's sexuality might, you know, is in question there, but it, it was kind of hinted that Kovu was like Scar's son, but it wasn't actually Scar's son. This is like a very creepy song because it is her singing to Kovu, which is her child about how her son needs to grow up to be a murderer. Okay, so this is a very creepy song about, you know, just fall asleep because one day when you're big and strong, you will be the king. And then she talks about how her group of Pride of Lions has been persecuted and things and that when Kovu grows up, he's going to challenge Simba and defeat him, a.k.a. kill him and take over the Pride Lands. You know, the Lion King, obviously, the Lion King was very much based on Hamlet, but as you're explaining this and I don't remember the Lion King too very well, but it's a very much a like game of Thrones <laughs> house of the dragon vibe where it's like you have two competing interests and, and they're kind of like entrenched on both sides of like, you're going to be the King. No, you're going to be the King. No, you're going to be ruler. Like <laughs> who's going to win. And there's like this fight. So it very much has those vibes as well. So maybe I need to go back and watch the Lion King two again with that in mind. Maybe it'll be more interesting. Well, Lion King two is keeping with the Lion King theme of being a Shakespearean tragedy that they've turned not into a tragedy. Lion King two is Romeo and Juliet. So, okay. um, but yeah, I, you know what, now that you say that it does have kind of some game of Thrones house feel of the dragon vibes because too. yeah, you have a house that feels like they've been wronged. I actually now hope that the new Mufasa movie that they're making is that they take game of Thrones and just make it Lion King. Cause they Ooh. take Shakespeare. So why not take uh, George R.R. Uh, Martin now? And, and turn that into a Lion King thing. Well, the thing I think is interesting is hearing this song, it does give Zira a very interesting perspective because you hear her refu- refer to Mufasa as that brute. You know, she says, when I think about what that brute did, and you think about it and it's like, from another oh, side... we're going to find out what he did. Yeah, we're from another find out side, what he did in this movie. I hope so. From another side, you know, Mufasa was the bad guy. Like, depending on which way you look at it, there are different bad guys. And um, one of my favorite lines uh, from the song is... Zira sings a symphony of death. Oh my, that's my little guy. Like, it's just so creepy. So that's why I really think that this is such a a good song. It mirrors Be Prepared. And also, fun fact, Joss Whedon wrote the lyrics for this song. That is a fun fact. All right. Next one on the list is Mother Knows Best from Tangled. This is sung by Mother Gothel. I think this is a good one because Mother Gothel is a really good villain. So I think, you know, when you think of the top villain songs... You know, they're either very good songs like My Lullaby, like you're saying. It's very creepy. It's dark. It 
it is very much in the way of like this person is a villain. Like, you know, there's no doubt about that they're a villain. So I think it's songs like that or what elevates it too is when you have a really good villain singing it and it's about them. So I think Mother Knows Best is kind of that combination because Mother Gothel is very much a, a villain. She does not have like any redeeming qualities. They don't try to soften her in any way. She kidnapped the princess. She lied to her and, and made her think she was her daughter. She kept her trapped. I mean, just like everything she does is terrible. And then it's this whole song about how she knows best. And, and it's interesting because she's manipulating. Rapunzel. Yeah. Yeah. Because Rapunzel doesn't, realize she's just taking her vote yeah this is my mom she knows what's best for me i need to listen to she's her trying to protect me exactly and we as the audience know oh no this lady's lying to you and it has this like dual meaning to it of yeah i know best for you but I, like i'm not really your mother like your mother does know best but i'm not your mom and i'm i'm manipulating you i'm trying to keep you here so all in all it has a lot of like nuance and layers to it which makes it one of the great songs yeah it kind of it twists that it twists that saying, which is really cool because, you know, your your parents and it's so funny because I, I spend a lot of times kind of explaining to my students things that their parents do that they don't understand because I've realized as I've, I've gotten older, obviously, you know, your parents have these rules and as a kid, you don't understand why. And so I see as my uh, as a teacher, sometimes I think it's my role to kind of pull back the veil and be like, yeah, your parents don't let you have a TikTok because TikTok is very dangerous and there's a lot of bad stuff in it and so she's taking this idea that your parents are trying to protect you and taking it to the extreme oh i'm trying to protect you that's why you can't ever leave this one little tiny tower which is really small but some of the things i like about this song like specifically she threatens her with the craziest most absurd things like cannibals vampires um because she says men with pointy teeth so i'm assuming she's talking about vampires and getting trampled by a rhino like they're so absurd that it's funny and it's funny how she calls herself mumsy but again the song itself is very um dark and scary just because again she's manipulating rapunzel who would need years of therapy to potentially recover because what she's been through is absolutely insane Our number eight song is Love is an Open Door, which is a very interesting song. Uh, It's not the only love song that is uh, a villain song, but it is one of the few that is. And it is from Frozen. It's the song that is very upbeat. It's it's. Anna and Hans singing to each other about their love and talking about their opportunity to marry each other and how much they love each other. But the double meaning behind it, which you find out later on, is Hans is really talking about his opportunity to marry into the throne. So he's his open door is his open door to getting to be king. So they're talking about two different things here. This is another one that on a rewatch works on a different level, kind of like Mother Knows Best, where as the audience, once you know Hans turn as the villain, it has a different meaning. So the, you know, the protagonist the song is being sung to or is involved in the song sees it from a different way than we at the audience know once we know kind of the the true motives of the villain here. And so it does give it this kind of interesting dual meeting that you don't really see. And even in the context of the movie the first time, you know, it's interesting because to your point, it looks like it's a love song. And then that twist at the end, that betrayal, you're like, oh my gosh, he was thinking of something so different. Like you can immediately call back to that of like, 
oh my gosh, I get it. That's, that song means something different. I need to watch that again and I need to hear his portion of it because now you can dig into the meaning completely differently. And a song like that that makes you want to go back and listen to it and really is a quick callback is something that, that makes it really great. Yeah, you can hear all of the foreshadowing that, again, you know, somebody who's astute probably picked up on the fact that Hans was not in it for the best purposes. But if you're kind of like wrapped up in the Disney of it, which sometimes I do, or sometimes I don't catch things as I'm watching a Disney movie because I don't necessarily know where they're going to go awry. And I didn't, when I watched Frozen, I had no idea Hans was going to be the villain. But it is really interesting because you go back and lines even like, We finish each other's sandwiches. That's what I was going to say. That's a, like probably the most quotable line from there. But they, and he says something like, Oh my gosh, I was going to say that. But he's just lying. Like he's just saying what she wants to hear. And it's, it's such a good, you know, bad relationships a lot of times are like that. They, people will say and tell you platitudes and things you want to hear because they want to keep you around. So I think that this is a really great villain song because it's really relatable and also plays two different ways, like Joe was saying. Definitely. All right. Our next one on the list is Cruella DeVille. And again, as I kind of talked about, they're great when they're about great villains. So Cruella DeVille is one of the top villains. I mean, she's evil on evil. <laughs> Very scary. I've talked about this on the show before, but as a kid seeing 101 Dalmatians, I was very afraid of Cruella DeVille. Uh, you know, she frightened me as a young kid because she is a very scary villain. And this is just an iconic song that Cruella DeVille. Cruella DeVille. If she doesn't scare you, no evil thing will. The, the melody of it and the tune and everything is so iconic, and it is about one of if not the most iconic villain that you know Disney has had in an animated movie. All of those things just kind of add up to it. And it's very simple, too. I mean, it's a, it's a simple song. There's not a lot to it, but it is immediately recognizable. It, it, it is it's very more catchy. Music. It's more instrumental than it is like vocal. There's exactly. not a lot of words yeah. to it. But another thing that's kind of cool about it is the way that they frame this is actually their, one of their um, protagonists writes the song about the antagonist because he is a musician and he like writes little um like little ditties so it's kind of cool that pongo's owner whose name escapes me at the moment but he actually writes this about cruella deville okay so now to one of my i think it's one of my favorites but i still think it's you know it's not as sinister as some of the other ones or as quite as high and I love the song Friends on the Other Side from Princess and the Frog. So this one is sung by Dr. Facilier. I really appreciate a villain that has a good vocabulary. I appreciate the musicality of this, the kind of jazziness of it. So, you know, I love to hear words like uh, he says derogate and deride. Um, and these words, again, I think it's so important to kind of throw in good vocabulary words because kids then are like, well, what does that word mean? And then they're trying to kind of figure that out. It's good to kind of give kids something to work toward understanding versus make it easy for them to understand sometimes. Um, it, it helps them learn. And then I just think it does a really good job of introducing Dr. Facilier as this magical man that has these dark connections. The melody is really catchy. And the reason why I think this song is lower than I would like is that the animation does a lot of the heavy lifting for this song. It's not really necessarily a supplemental for it, like some of the songs higher in the list where it just makes it even better. It does kind of show you. It, it really sets the tone for the song. 
too yeah. with the animation. Like I mean, it's so pretty. Like the yeah. colors, the greens, the purples, and everything. It, it does a really nice job with helping with the song, making it seem more ominous. And again, a lot of this stuff that he doesn't really doesn't really make its way into the song. Like it. it it is shown in the animations. Yeah. What, what I like about this song too, is it is a, a good inter- introduction to Dr. Facilier and it does kind of explain yeah, his connection to these dark forces in the other side. But what I like about it is at the end of the movie, it's those dark forces and those friends on the other side that turn on him. So mm-hmm. he's singing about, Hey, I got these friends on the other side. They're my friends. They can help me out. And it's this whole thing of like how quickly, your friends can turn on you and things like that. Not like, and that's, that's a theme in Disney too, where, you you know, when you have these friends that are, um, not good people. Yeah. Not good people. The second that they realize that, you know, they're not getting a good end of the deal, they'll turn on you. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, So so it's an interesting thing of like how they turn on him. He even tries to, at the end, talk about like, Hey, 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 like we're friends. Like, like I can, I can still do this. I can still help you out. Like you still need me. And they're like, Nope, we don't need you anymore. You know, you're, you're done. And so it's this kind of interesting, like dichotomy with the song too. So I I like that, that it's, it's kind of a callback. and, And the thing that he saw as a positive is ultimately his undoing in the end. So this song is very similar to the next song on the list, which is poor unfortunate souls. And it's because both songs convince our and our protagonist to take a deal that is not really that great for them by using these sort of magical forces. So going to no- our number five song, like I mentioned, Poor Unfortunate Souls, this is Ursula from the Little Mermaid's villain song. And I just think that this song is it's really good. I know that some people are going to be mad at me because I know that a lot of people, this is like their favorite villain song. The thing about this song, and this is why it kind of gets ranked a little lower, is that Ursula up front tells Ariel exactly what to expect. And this is where I'm kind of hoping that they improve the live action The Little Mermaid. I almost think it makes it a better song, though, because she is <laughs> so confident in her abilities as a villain and to get what she wants that she goes... I, I mean, I could tell this girl exactly what I'm going to do and she'll buy it. Because it's like a multi, uh, multi-level multi marketing scheme. Like she just basically tells her, plays it all out and is like, hey, yeah, she's like, yeah you come in. This very hard deal I'm going to make with you, but you're still going to love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to work out for you. You're going to get what you want. I'm going to get the better end of this deal. And, and yeah, Ariel sees all the poor, unfortunate souls that the deal didn't work out for. I mean, so she knows yeah, exactly what she's getting into sidetrack here a little bit on the little mermaid one of my problems with the little mermaid is the fact that ariel gets upset that she loses her voice and that ursula tricked her but again as we mentioned ursula didn't trick her she laid out exactly what was going to happen she made her sign a contract the fact that triton comes in and has to get ariel out of this deal makes no sense because it wasn't like ariel was tricked at all ursula was completely up front with her so while she is i guess quote unquote a villain I mean, Ariel should have known better. She laid it out for exactly, and you bring up a great point in this song. She specifically tells her exactly what's going to happen. And Ariel's like, oh, I'm sad now that this happened to me. Well, you shouldn't have signed the deal then. Yeah, exactly. So I don't really particularly, I mean, I feel bad for Ariel. And I do think that this is where, you know. I don't. Has Ariel never heard of uh, pen and paper? I mean, write down, (laughs) see which stole my voice, can't talk. That would, the whole movie, <laughs> well, this maybe movie could have been over in five minutes. I guess that they did have scrolls under the water, which, by the way, how did the scrolls not disintegrate? Would they have not but, seen? I mean, when I mean she does goes she know how land, to write? Can she write in English? 
you have to be able to explain this. What if the new live action movie is about a 20 minute movie? We go in, Ursula steals her voice. She, she gets her legs, goes up. Prince Eric goes, what happened? Can't you talk? And she goes, just nods her head. Yes. And he goes, okay, can you write? And he teaches her how to write. And then that's it. And that's the movie. And it's over. <laughs> so the whole movie is just him tutoring her. Like what, like what should have actually happened in the little mermaid? He should have said, Oh, you can't talk. And she just says, yes. And he goes, okay, like, let me help you. I am very curious about this movie to see how many of the, the holes and frustrations of the movie. Oh, they they're going to have all of them. Fix. They're going to have all of them. I don't know. I feel like they'll fix some of them. Like, I oh, feel but like it's, it's not going to end with, Oh, you can't talk. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. You know, it, there's still going to be more too, but again, this, that would be funny though. They make this movie. Everybody's so hyped about it. It's a half hour movie because it's like, Oh, it's done. Okay. Our next song, our number four song, is probably one of the catchiest of the bunch, and it's I Want to Be Like You from... From the now-defunct show at Animal Kingdom, Kite Tales. R.I.P. <laughs> Kite Tales. R.I.P. In the arms of an angel or kite, fly away. <laughs> fly away, kites. Fly, fly away. So this is King Louie's song. It's such an earworm um, that even Blue. Hold on. Did we say the title? It's I Want to Be Like You? Yeah. Because I feel like I got so sidetracked with Kite Tales. I don't even remember if we said the title. Yes, we said the title. We said the title. But it's so catchy. I actually went back and watched the animated part of this song just to see it again. And it's really funny because as King Louie is singing the song, they're trying to figure out how to get in and infiltrate into um, King Louie to get Mowgli back. So, like, as they're talking, Baloo starts toe-tapping along because it's just so, so catchy. I love the big... I, I called it, you know, I, I try to come up with some of these descriptions on my own and then I, like, because I don't really know what I'm talking about with music, um, I, like, will look them up. So I called it big band doo-woppy sort of song. And then... <laughs> It's your music history degree right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then I looked it up and it's it's like a type of jazz and scat singing. And I was like, oh, that's what I was going for right there. But uh, it's just really... <laughs> Which is nothing like what I said. Yeah, exactly. Just like that. (laughs) But it just has a really cool, like, kind of old-timey, but at the same time, like, very uplifting, upbeat, fun song. Um, And I didn't... I kind of kept it lower because there aren't a whole lot of words to it again. I mean, musically, it's a lot of fun. The full title for the song is I Want to Be Like You... And then parentheses, the monkey song, which I thought was really funny. So I wanted to include that. There you go. And then it's composed by the Sherman brothers. So they wrote the song. Oh, I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, they that actually, makes sense why it's so catchy. Well, they, I think they wrote all the music for it except for Bare Necessities. Okay. So, I mean, that's a great song too. But um, Every song they write is catchy in both a good way and a bad way. Because yes. you have, it's a small world. Some people would be upset that that's catchy. But then, yeah, you have I Want to Be Like You. You have A Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. Mary Poppins, all that songs. Yeah, great. Should I almost do a list of all of the songs they wrote and rank those? Maybe that's our next one. Ranking the Sher- Sherman Brothers hits. Either yeah. from, from theme park songs um, to movies Just and everything. across the board. Because I, I don't think people realize... All of the amazing songs or, that they wrote. Or just in general, just a show about the Sherman Brothers. I guess we could put it all in one show. And the other thing I thought was really interesting about this song, like a fun fact is at the time, whenever they, they did this, they got Louis Prima, who was a really popular singer and trumpeter at the time, to do the actual like trumpeting uh, for the song. And then they filmed his band and then used his band and the way that they kind of articulated, like the way they moved uh, to animate the monkeys because they were kind of well known for 
how animated they were in playing. So I thought that was a really cool little fun fact that I didn't know about. All right, so we are getting to the top three now. So this is the best of the best, cream of the crop. These are the heavy hitter villain songs. So we're going to start with number three, and it is from Beauty and the Beast, which has an incredible soundtrack, incredible songs all around. So it is Gaston by Gaston. (laughs) So Because no one writes songs about themselves like Gaston. (laughs) That was really good, Joe. I liked that. Yeah. So I love this song so much. It does such a good. So I, the thing, one of the things that I kind of use, you know, now that we're getting to the top three, I need a villain that is doing something ominous and bad. I want a villain who is smart or a villain who, you know, it plays with their words in a funny way or a villain song that really does a good job of just telling me about the villain and what they're trying to do. And I think that's why Gaston for me, you know, obviously Gaston's not smart, but that's why he's up there very high because this song does such a great job of articulating exactly who Gaston is. And also Gaston is a scary type of character because he is very much, you know, the paragon of masculinity that yeah, people... very real world. Like yes. he, he has, there's a, a realism about him. Yes. And I, I've seen people say this, you know, a lot of people be like, Oh, a lot of people say beauty and the beast is about Stockholm syndrome. But like the scarier thing is Gaston because he represents people in the real world that can get, people to listen to him and can do terrible things. I mean, the fact that mm-hmm. you know, he got this mob kind of so excited to go and kill the beast and, and yeah. he kind of twisted the reality for those people that that's almost the scarier thing. And it's because uh, of he's, the movie. he's a big, strong, good looking man. And so people I don't know about good looking, but okay. I mean, yes, he's supposed to be good looking, you know, or all the women swoon over him. So everybody wants Gaston, everybody worships Gaston. And that is actually the part that is so scary about this again. And why I think why I ranked it so high, besides the fact that it's a banger of a song is it is, he is just, he is a scary character because of, of that real world tie in. So I love that it's a party song. I love that, you know, it taught me what the word expectorating means. I'm especially good at expectorating. That's my favorite line. all what that word is. Yeah, I just just love that that part of the song. And I love that the conceit of the song is a pep talk. You know, it starts with he's kind of feeling down in the the dumps. And then we have LeFou who's kind of talking him up and being like kind of building him up and reminding him, no, 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 like this is you. This is the kind of person you are. You can go out and make whatever you want to happen happen, including getting this woman that totally like. It's not into you in any way, shape or form. You know, but you know, she's, she's the, she's the prettiest, therefore she's the best, which isn't from this song, but I think that that's a hilarious line. Um, and also again, very real worldy where people just want, don't know anything about a person, but they'll go after them because of their looks and looks alone, even though they have nothing in common. I think it's hilarious that LeFou doesn't know how to spell Gaston's name. Now this doesn't actually make it into the animated version. I, I it was actually cut from the animated mu- uh, version, but it did make it into the live action version. I know a lot of people might be like, "Oh, scoff!" Um, live action version, but I actually think that that is one of the few things that is hilarious about the live action version. We're at our top two songs. People are probably starting to put together what probably they are because there's only a few left. This next, I one, don't know that anybody will guess number two yeah, number two uh, you know what and it's funny because when i first heard this song as number two 
I didn't like it that much. And it wasn't one of my favorite songs from the movie, even though I love the music from this particular movie. And then the more I started to listen to this song, the more I began to appreciate it. And this song, without further ado, is Shiny from Moana. Shiny! Yeah, and there's just so many elements to the song that I really like and I think make it what it is. And now, you know, again, I'm terrible at talking about music. I have no music degree, but I'm going to do my best and talk about just certain things musically that add to this song that make it so great, that make it so catchy. I love the background, the part where it's like, do, 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 do. And he's like, well, well, well. Little Maui's having trouble with his luck. You little Sammy Dummy Mini God. Ouch, what a terrible performance. Get the hook. Get it? You don't swing it like you used to, man. Yet I have to give you credit for my start and your tattoos on the outside. For just like you, I made myself a work of art. I'll never hide. I can't. I'm too shiny. Um, it feels very ominous and adds to the fact that, you know, he is kind of a bad guy, although he's not the big bad, right? There is no real big bad in Moana, sort of. I mean, Teka is really kind of the big bad, but not really. Um, I love if that anybody, he's... it's Maui. <laughs> a little bit like he causes the problem right i love that he is a smart villain the way that he talks is really funny i love the line about him being a decapod which is just so good because first of all decapod is the taxonomical order of uh like shrimp and and like the like what he would actually be but also it sounds like the word decapage and gastropod put together which is also kind of what he is too so i just thought that was really cool and he is a decoupaged crab essentially of all the shiny things so i, I just think it's so clever lin-manuel, lin-manuel miranda did such a good job here well that's what i was gonna say i mean I, this song you know is written by lin-manuel miranda and i think we've talked about you know moana and you mentioned the music it's just in that movie in general is really good because lin-manuel miranda wrote it all and i think you know in the same way like we talked a couple ago about the sherman brothers of how they write very catchy songs and, and they were, you know, very popular, you know, in like the 60s and 70s and stuff for what Disney did. I mean, Lin-Manuel Miranda is very popular today and, and he is very well known for this of, you know, playing with words and rhymes and, and kind of tying these like subtle nuances together. I mean, if you look at Hamilton, there's a whole book on the lyrics of Hamilton and just the different thought processes he put in there and the little rhyming schemes that he threw in and there's different levels to it. And I think that is what aids in, you know, how catchy the songs are and kind of like what brings people back to want to listen to them again, because there's little pieces of them that you miss the first time and, and you pick up on and then it it makes it catchy and it kind of sticks with you. So to your point, like, I mean, shiny is a good song. I mean, the first time you hear like, Oh, this is good. And it just picks up. I mean, it's kind of in the same way, you know, his songs for Encanto really took off. I mean, the, you know, mm-hmm. we don't talk about Bruno. And know, I songs, argued to get, we don't talk about Bruno on this list, but Joe argued back that it is not a villain. Song I would say he's not a villain. I would because say Bruno is not yeah, the, the villain, which is Bruno's true. not the villain, but like, but that song took off. I mean, it, you know, not at first, but the more times you listen to it, like the better it gets and all the layers and stuff that he's doing. And I think Shiny's the same way. And that's what makes it such a great song because of that re-listenability. I don't think it's a surprise that Moana was successful and Shiny was very successful because it followed a proven model that Disney did with 
The Lion King. Yeah, so they actually took the success of The Lion King and modeled these songs off of that. So, you know, you had a seasoned composer, Hans Zimmer, you had a pop star, star, Elton John, and then you also had like a South, you had a South African producer in Lebo M. So this is, that's all on The Lion King And that's all on The Lion King So that, that kind of worked. And then, so they kind of did a similar model here with Milan. Right. So, you know, Musker and Clemens, they decided they wanted to emulate that. So they got a trio uh, so they got a veteran composer with Mark Mancina. Then they got the A-lister, who's Lin-Manuel Miranda. And they also found a South Pacific songwriter. And I'm going to do my best with the name, so apologies in advance. Appa Tea Fuai. And they took those that kind of power team and created this whole soundtrack. And Shiny, of, of course, being one of the products of that. A couple other things that I just really like about Shiny. First of all, I, it's poetry. I mean... Not only does Miranda rhyme the ends of lines, sometimes he gets internal rhyme in there. So he gets, you know, drab little crab like that. That's called internal rhyme for people who, you know, don't know about like read a lot of poetry or have taught a lot of poetry like me. The other thing that I thought was really fascinating about this song is Lin-Manuel Miranda. I I swear the man had such a beautiful mind. He viewed this song as Le Poisson, you know, from The Little Mermaid in reverse so um, and if you think about it you know you have a crab that is being chased after by a cook and now you have like and who's a human now you have a crab go pursuing a human with a hook um like it's just kind of funny and actually his subtitle of the song was sebastian's revenge which is also just hilarious so i just thought that was a fun little fact to go along with this all right i hope everybody is ready <laughs> for our number one song, number one villain song of all time from Disney animated movies, it's Be, be prepared. prepared. Yeah, I don't. I think that probably most people knew what this was going to be because I rave about this song and this character and this movie all the time. But Scar from The Lion King, I think, has the best hands down villain song, and I'm about to convince you why because I bet some of you out there are like, ah, this is not right, and you know, I'm, I'm going to do my best. This song from the very beginning, does a really good job of setting the tone. You have all these creepy noises. You have like a bell chiming in the beginning. You hear like, I don't know what else to call it, like almost like a Gregorian chant choir. And Scar's talking his plan out, kind of telling you what he's about to do in true villain style. Because villains, you know, you usually... have to monologue. You're not a villain unless you monologue your plan. And exactly, everything. exactly. And that's exactly what Scar does because he thinks he is so smart that he tells everybody his plan. But again, he is trying to get his crew and convince his crew to follow him in a similar way that Gaston does. Um, so it is very ominous, very scary. Again, he is convincing them to go after a couple lions i wanted to say people they're not really people but go after a couple lions and then they would get something in return yeah i think what elevates this song is because scar is such a great villain yep he succeeds in his plan so to your point he's monologuing he's telling everybody what he's gonna do oh and he insults them while he's convincing them which i think is hilarious as well and then and then he delivers on it and yeah and it's like that's an added level too because he's such a villain that he doesn't even like his henchmen that he has. Yeah. He doesn't even like the hyenas. He doesn't respect them. Yeah, he's like, I'm smarter than you. You're, you know, a means to an end to me. 
I'm so much better than you. Yeah, I can kind of insult you and give you backhanded compliments and you won't even know and you'll still help me and I'll still succeed in my plan. And and he does succeed in his plan and he does become king, which that makes it better. I mean, you know, a lot of these villains and these villains on the list, they don't succeed in their plan. So while they are interesting villains, while they are very good villains, they don't succeed. And Scar, while you know, he ultimately is defeated in the end, he succeeds for a time and for a you know extended period of time, he is king and exceeds succeeds in his plan so the fact that that song tells you what's going to happen it really yeah lays out that he is a villain and then he goes through and he kills his brother which i mean how much more villain can you get yep um it it, all of those things just kind of help elevate and like you said musically and, and everything and just the imagery of it all really does make it come together to be just an incredible song right and you know, just kind of pointing out a couple of lines, you know, we were talking about it, alluding to the fact that he insults the hyenas. He calls them, he says that they struggle to retain. He calls them crude to their faces. I mean, again, you know, it, it just adds that extra level of he doesn't even really respect them. And he also recognizes that they aren't that smart. Like, because I feel like if somebody said that to my face, I wouldn't want to work with them. So, I mean, it, it's just, he's just so... Like he puts himself up on such a pedestal. It just really, it just works. Like all of it works. The imagery behind what he's going on, because, you know, unlike friends on the other side where it's like, I feel like that very, the the imagery and the animation really adds to it, but adds to it in a way that the song lyrics don't. This one musically behind it, you have all kinds of, again, the noises, the songs, the, the chimes and everything going on. Um, like the full stops and pauses that all is aiding in, but then the animation just elevates it to a completely like a complete other level. The green, you have the smoke, you have the hyenas marching in front of him as he's talking in lines. I mean, you have all of this stuff going on that just adds to it and just makes it a feast for the eyes, the ears, everything that's going on. I mean, Jeremy Irons voice needs to be recorded put it in a capsule and sent to other planets because that is our best way of convincing other planets to not come after us because it has just, I this don't know. He's scars voice. though. scars a villain. He is a villain. But if I was an alien and I was like, and I heard Jeremy Irons voice, <laughs> excuse I, me. Is that how aliens talk? I mean, probably some kind of alien somewhere. Made a lot of, I probably just said a swear word. And you've some made a sort lot of alien. Very some. interesting noises this episode and when you're trying to explain how songs sound and now these aliens talking this has been uh quite the feast for the ears from you over there Thank you're you gonna get much. i think some calls from hollywood for foley artistry after this one well i hope so i would love to do that i think it would be so much fun i could gush about the song for hours and hours the rhymes are great they they rhyme this the, the words prizes and emphasizes together i love scar's vocabulary again as i mentioned with uh dr facilier and it, to a lesser extent uh, Dr. Facilier, Scar's vocabulary is something I so admire about him. Again, it goes with that character that he is very smart um, and he is the smarter brother of between he and Mufasa. But he says words like, you know, I'm the main ad- ad- addressee, tenacity spanning de- decades of denial. These are words that kids aren't familiar with, but it also makes you kind of want to look them up and learn what they are. And I think that it's really good. And Tim Rice even said that he thought that it fosters learning to put, you know, these words in there that kids don't know because they want to find out what it means. And I mean, who wouldn't love the evil laugh at the end? I mean, Scar does the evil laugh like it's kind of a joke in pop culture, but he has this great evil laugh. Be prepared. 
couple fun facts about the song. If you've ever walked around the Art of Animation Hotel and in the Lion King area, you might have seen the sign that says that some of Scar's vocals for Be Prepared were actually performed by Jim Cummings because apparently like Jeremy Irons supposedly had like a cold during some of it. So some of the voice that you voice that you hear is apparently not even necessarily Jeremy Irons, which just makes it kind of even more kind of of a marvel because if those are two different people singing, it's amazing what they were either able to do with their sound mixer or what Jim Cummings is able to do with his voice that he can sound that much like Jeremy Irons. And then the song was originally called Thanks to Me, which I also think is an interesting one. You know, you're welcome. Thanks to me. Uh, it's just, it's just a, it seems like something Scar would say, but I think that this is undisputed. My favorite song, probably my favorite Disney song, period. So good. I love it. Great villain song. Yeah. And we would love to hear our listeners opinion. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you think we, we missed a song that we should have included on this list that, that deserves to be in the top 10? We'd love to hear from you. Uh, head over to our Facebook page, Enchanted Ears, or our website, EnchantedEars.com. Leave us a comment uh, over there. We'd love to hear from you. I want to thank everybody again for listening this week. If you've not done so, please leave us a rating or a review. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. It really helps, and we really appreciate it. Thanks for lending us your ears. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.